Hi everyone, I'm Colin Detmar from Scanlane Media, and with me is uh, Mio Dragkovacevic, real Soviet bear. Hello. How's it going, Mio? Uh, it's going alright. Uh, getting ready to talk about fighting games. Hell yeah. That time of the month, right? Yeah. So this month is more uh, my agenda. Um, I had a, a desire to talk about uh, team-based fighting games because I think it's a really exciting possibility space in the genre that isn't explored very much. And before we get going, it's so underexplored that often people are going to get the wrong idea when you say this, right? People, you say like, oh, team-based fighting games, you mean like Marvel versus Capcom. That's like, well, that is, that is like word for word that's correct. That's not what I mean. What I mean is fighting games where you have multiple players on one team. Currently, you're just retelling the confusion we had when you talked to me about this subject. <laughs> yeah, we we originally were going to talk about like tag fighting games and like multi-character fighting games, but like there's some stuff to say there. But for the most part, they're not that different from normal fighting games, and so I don't feel like it would end up being that different. It would be hard to sustain a full episode off of that unless we were going in depth on one of them, and I don't like any that are out right now. Um, but Team-based fighting games where you have multiple people cooperating on the same team is a, is a space that's really underexplored, but is really uh, special to me because it's, it's a lot like, I mean, what I really like about gaming, right? I feel like you get the, the great intense competition of fighting games, of, of the, you know, direct test of skill and reflexes and instincts while at the same time getting the great, you know, joys of, of cooperative play and teamwork that you can get from, from other games. And I really, it's really satisfying, I think. Have you played any uh, competitive team-based fighting games? So, I have played one. Um, I was going to get Gundam versus, but that's I'm not doing that until, like, a week from now. Mm-hmm. But I have played... Back back in the day when Namco thought that the West didn't like Gundam or giant robots and they wanted to bring over Gundam versus but instead they brought it over as uh, Rise oh, yeah. of Incarnates, oh, I don't yeah. know if you remember that. So Rise of Incarnates was a two V two um team fighting game. I think it also had a three V three mode, uh but it was mostly two V two. Uh where you played various Incarnates, aka um, humans that were vessels or avatars to gods. But it was basically Gundam, just with a more boring setting, because it didn't have robots. And I I don't think it got out of uh, early access on Steam. They closed it off. Yeah, I think think that... It's a it's a whole subgenre those those specific like Gundam versus style uh games that's actually people don't realize how old it is. That genre started back in 2003 on the yeah, PS2. Yeah. Um well and and in arcades obviously, but um and to to bring it over to, you know, Gundam versus is the first real entry we've had over in the United States. I don't know about Europe. Europe might have had one or two that we haven't. Um but as far as America, that's the first one we've had. Um, and before that, it was Rise of Incarnates. And to introduce this new genre, you really need the brand power of something like Gundam and not some random, like, dude who's possessed by Loki. That was not... Yeah. See, 
Funny you say that with brand power, that was one of the things I wanted to actually touch upon. Um, because as you say, like these, this obviously started all in the arcades, and as most fighting games that we get today, um, like most fighting games start off in the arcades, and then when they live long enough, they just move to consoles. And I feel like, okay, if you want to like play a fighting game in the arcade, you need at least two cabinets, right? You can't, like, unless it's, like, a two-person cabinet, you can't really have uh, one single-player cabinet running, I don't know, Blaze Blue or Tekken right. or whatever. It has to actually, like, be there for another person. Uh, one one way they do this now is that they actually let you play online yeah. on arcades, um, which for me kind of defeats the point, but whatever. Um but you do have to reserve a certain amount of machines. Now, imagine just... It's it's kind of easy to do the logistics of two people. Like, one person starts playing, the other person drops in, or two people start playing at the same time. But if you have something like 2v2, you have the logistics of coordinating four people. So that means either one person needs to bring over three more people, mm-hmm. uh, two people need to wait for another group of two people, or two people playing need to hope that two more people drop in. Um, so you get that weird logistics, and then when you move that to console, um, you have the same logistics problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually on PC, um, it's fine because you're playing you know, shooters, team-based shooters. It's kind of easy to fill out that matchmaking. But for fighting games, you know, when, when a fighting game kind of dies down after release sometimes you take you know a few minutes to find a match now imagine finding a match with you know four or six participants it it becomes problematic which ties back into what you said that's why you need brand power because when you have brand power then you already have a much bigger user base for sure yeah that's definitely true and there's also a problem um which we'll talk about a little more later but as far as online versus offline and like these games really are like they have all the all the mechanical skill and stuff of, of fighting games, but you also need that the, like that coordination and that cooperation and sort of an understanding of your partner. And it's really hard to get that when you queue online as a solo person. You get matched up with a random person. I have played some of these games, like I have played a little Gundam versus not a lot. I'm trying to kind of hold off honestly until until you get it. Um, and you go and you queue for a 2v2 game by yourself, and you get matched up with a person, and it's like, there's a very specific strategy you're supposed to do that's sort of like, one person does this, one person sort of does this, and you have two halves of the game, and with an online random person. It's just really hard to get that going. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It might actually be even harder than, um, you know, doing 6v6, like, like playing Overwatch, for example. Uh, it might actually even be hard uh, than that because, well, in Overwatch or like larger team-based games, you need more people. Um, usually, the other team won't have the other co- the same coordination you do anyway. So, like, if it's six randoms versus six randoms, it's gonna be the same amount of chaos, and you only really need a few people cooperating at specific key moments. When you have something like lower key, like two v two then, yeah, it's going to be more demanding, and one person messing up has a much larger impact for the entire team. And also, it can just feel much more dramatic, right? Like, 
when you're playing 2v2 and you and your partner are not on the same page, but the other guys are, it just feels like, I mean, you're, it feels like you, you both of you are fighting against two people at once. It just, you feel outnumbered in the way things play out. Um, and so this sort of is, is one of the things about these games that is challenging is one, the fact of you kind of need a real partner to play with, um, that online and offline are, are pretty different experiences and also just playing with a friend. Um, the idea that in most of these games, there's a concept of, of sort of like a team comp, right? Of like a, well, I'll quickly jump to Gundam Versus where almost always you want one person to be a melee focused, uh, mecha and the other one you want to be a ranged focused mecha. And, you know, obviously one covers the other and you do a little of each, but you have a, you have a comp. Um, you need to communicate and you also need to like, you have to practice some of this stuff because they're going to be like, like, it's, it's kind of cheesy sounding. It sounds like some anime bullshit, but there are going to be like some plays you do where it's like, okay, you do this move and I'll do this move and we'll cover each other and we'll confuse them. And it's, it's very hard to practice when you need two people like, and also opponents for those two people. It's not as easy as just being like, well, I'll go into the training room, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to remember whether I know any other like multiplayer game in general that has that sort of dynamic. Like usually you have it's it's usually like on a very large scale, like mm-hmm. in MOBAs, so like five plus people, um, or shooters, or it's just like solo one v one. I I don't know too many games that just go you know two v two or. And I guess the closest I get is actually is is in a MOBA is I play Dota and I'm uh I'm a support player and one of my best friends is a is a carry player. Um those are sort of like the like the you know, it's what it sounds like, right? There's the very strong player and there's the weak player who backs them up. Um and we often queue as two and then we're matched with three random people, and mostly we're just trying to work on our teamwork, our our duo uh cooperation. So I, I guess the closest to this now that I've thought about it for a second it would be uh structured PvP in uh, MMOs. Mm, yeah. Because they, because they have two v two and three v three teams. So I'm guessing this that's the closest dynamic you have, and it kind of works the same way. Like every person uh, covering the other person, and then you're also trying to f- fight against various team composite other team compositions. That's actually a really good point. Have you played much of those? Um, I've played some structured PvP in a few random MMOs, um, but I've never gotten anything like serious into it. I haven't played World of Warcraft. I've only like seen it, but I've played some in uh, Champions Online. I've played a bit in Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars. Um, but yeah, that remind that basically reminds me of that the most because there you have like one very specific role so for Gundam you said melee and range but for MMOs it's usually like you know the same as with the Trinity tank support um, DPS and then you have range DPS melee DPS stuff like that and then you try to like work with your friend to make sure you're both on the same page and supplementing each other yeah, I think it's a good comparison. I played a little bit of of arena in in WoW back in the day as a as a priest, um, and it was rough. And I wasn't, frankly, I wasn't good enough to hack it. I didn't invest the time. I just got fucking stomped, and I stopped playing. Um, but it's it's a pretty 
interesting mode, and I guess it it does have a lot of similarities. Um, I feel like the other thing you need to learn, and this one is complete, like 100% overlap with, with Dota and any competitive game where you are not the only one on the team, is you need to be able to, like, sometimes you're going to match in a game and your team is going to lose. Your duo, your trio, your five, whatever. And you're going to be like, I played super well. We lost and it was not my fault, right? You cannot focus on that. You have to, because you never played perfect. You never played perfect. I don't care even if you got a perfect in fighting games. You never actually played perfect. And so you need to focus on the things that you can do better. Because when you start going like, well, that wasn't my fault, then you're getting into a mindset where you're not learning anything anymore and you're just becoming a salty player. So I'm I'm going to come with like a bit of a weird comparison, but I think it's fitting for this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing my English language proficiency, uh, one of the final parts you do for those is uh, verbal communication. Mm-hmm. And what they do with that is they pair you up with one random person that's also participating there. Now the catch is... Um, the goal isn't for you to communicate and show off. Like it is, the goal isn't for you to show off how good you are uh, at English. The goal is for you to communicate with the other person. So what can happen is, if you're really good at English and you're just like leading a conversation and not letting the other person speak much, they will mark you down, even though you weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, they will mark you down because you didn't let the other person. Uh, speak or you didn't communicate in a way that the other person understood. So what you frequently need to do for those assignments is, is if somebody is worse than you, you actually need to tone down how you're talking so they can follow your conversation and participate in it, which is actually how it works in real life. Like if you're speaking to someone who isn't proficient in a language, you kind of tone down how you're speaking, mm-hmm. um, like the speed, the words you're using, the phrasing in general, just so they can follow it as well. And that's kind of how a lot of team-based games really work. Like, your individual skill for a lot of these games doesn't matter. If it's a frag race, like Quake or something like that, yes, your individual skill can basically lead an entire team to victory. But when you have, like, very role-specific games, whether it's fighting games or shooters or MOBAs, um... Even if you're really good, and even if you can make a play that's really good, you actually have to make sure that you're enabling the other team to take part in those plays, because if they're not working with you, you're not going to be able to win the entire game on your own. Yeah, a lot of the plays you think of as being these amazing solo plays are actually plays where you do this amazing thing, and then you rely on someone to back you up. And if you're too far ahead, they can't keep up. So, Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I, I think we we talked about in like the I heard the very I think it's the very first episode we talked about um, how to have a specific mindset, and we said that uh, with default fighting games in mind, like one v one, but for two v two, when you go into team team based combat, then that mindset needs to expand. You need to go from not getting discouraged or not blaming your opponent to not blaming your co-players, mm-hmm. your teammates. And sometimes, like, I have I have been in situations where I actually kind of need to blame the opponent a little bit 
because my teammate is getting salty and I need them to feel like, like, no, we're in this together. It's okay. We'll shit talk the opponent for a second. We'll clear our heads and we'll move on. It's, it's a slightly different attitude. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much actual like social interaction you need to do in video games if you mm-hmm. want to win. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So we're going to talk about a handful of examples and how they work in these modes, and then we'll kind of move into why you don't see more of this. Um, and the first one is probably the one that is is the biggest for Western audiences, which is the uh, Super Smash Bros. team battle, aka doubles. Um, that's a 2v2 mode in Super Smash Bros. that is played competitively. There are doubles tournaments in Super Smash Brothers. Um, it is not, obviously, the primary mode. Mostly competitive play in Super Smash Brothers is 1v1. Um, but as I say, there are tournaments. And the rules, generally, if you want to play Super Smash Bros. doubles, are uh, friendly fire on, which means like if you if you throw out a hit and it hits your teammate, they got hit, you got to coordinate and not hit your team. And then also, uh, life-stealing is okay, which is when you, um, in Super Smash Brothers, if you're on a team and you uh, run out of lives, but you're, or stock, excuse me, if you run out of stock, but your teammate has stock left and you hit start, you steal one of theirs and come back, that is okay in the rules. You know, you'll you'll hear people talk about, like, in, in casual play, like, hey, no life-stealing. Like, no, in competitive rules, it is 100% okay. So, um, Smash Bros. Double is is kind of a it's it's had some different incarnations i feel like it was more popular in melee um we've of course got the famous wombo combo uh meme video out of smash bros doubles but it's it's a weird one because there's not there's not that much of a meta honestly it's kind of like you just pick two really good characters i don't think it ever evolved to the point where there were like specific duos that people learned to look out for yeah yeah, I don't like you said. Like it's not primary mode, so obviously you're not gonna have people building around it. Like as soon like if Evo's main Smash event was two v two, then yeah, you'd probably see people actually engaging actively in the meta. But because it's uh, all singles one v one, then it's always gonna be a side thing. Mm-hmm. So mostly, if you want to play some Smash Bros. doubles, the main thing to keep in mind is just like is that that friendly fire clause, right? You need to consider positioning a lot more because if you clip your teammate, that's that's pretty bad, right? So you need to pick characters with possibly less gigantic hitboxes, right? You need you need to pick stuff that is quick and precise and you need to coordinate and you need to do some some combinations. But mostly, you know, you just play good smash. It's cool. Yeah, um one one thing I actually like about Smash's approach and I wish any game that has like several simultaneous players going on at once would do. Um, you can, it's a very good handicap mode. So let's say, like, hey, I am really good at Smash and I want to introduce three of my friends with it. We can do a team based mode where it's, you know, them in a theme versus me and solo in one team. Um, and that actually helps a lot because even if you're bad at the game, you kind of feel like this, oh, we're working together towards something and people still get to enjoy themselves. But plus also it's a challenge for you, like the person playing solo or being mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the larger team. Yeah, that's also a good, I don't, I didn't put that on our notes because people don't tend to do that competitively for stuff. But like, yeah, asymmetric uh, multiplayer in fighting games can be a really good way when you are 
more powerful than the per- like you're just better at the game than the person you're playing against. And that's a really good way to, to sort of get get them back on board. Probably the only way you'd introduce uh, people to Guilty Gear by playing Guilty Gear Isuka. Have you played that one? No, I haven't. I was pondering for a second, like, hmm, I wonder what's special about Asuka. That 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 uh, that is a team based game, so you can do three v one. Oh, really? Two v two. I did not know that. Yeah, we can mention that yeah. later. So uh, the other main like competitive. Uh, team-based fighting game is, as we mentioned a couple of times now, Gundam Versus. That is the one that is primarily focused on uh, 2v2. There's also a 3v3 mode, and there is 1v1, but that's mostly like a novelty, honestly, which is, you know, it's weird to play a fighting game where 1v1 is a novelty, but that's just how Gundam Versus is built. Um, as I said, there's this dynamic of, of one melee and one ranged, and generally the strategy in that game, like we'll talk more specifically about Gundam Versus in in a future episode, I'm sure. Um, I'm excited to get more into it. But it is this dynamic of having one person kind of in the front lines, your melee type, and the other person backing them up. But obviously, both teams are kind of incentivized to go after the backliner, and so it's sort of this swirling melee, and you're switching targets a lot. And, uh, I don't know, it's really exciting to watch. It's really fun. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed if you're not coordinating properly with your teammate because the other teammate can just feel like, okay, this is fine. I'll just sit back here and throw pot shots. And if they're just going in on you, then like things need to change. You can't just stick with your one game plan. You need to keep your teammate in mind. Is, is the one melee one ranged a slot thing? Like it forces you to pick uh, one of each or is it like a recommended? No, that's a, that's a meta thing. That's just like a, this is this is what works, you know. If you pick, um, like you can pick whatever you want, um, and I, you know I have seen compositions of two ranged or two melee work out, but it's just like friendly fire is on in this game. It's twenty five percent. You only do twenty five percent damage to friendlies, but it's still a thing. So like if you have two people in melee, you're going to be whacking each other. Um, or if you have two people at ranged, then it's just like, well, you don't have anyone to keep them off of you. And ranged, uh, ranged, uh, mecha tend to be pretty bad at getting people off of themselves. So it's just, uh, you know, rounding out the strengths and weaknesses of your team thing. Okay. But counter argument, if you have two melee mecha, then you can do combo attacks, which is pretty much the ultimate anime execution. You can. That's true. Um, the way the combo system works in Gundam Versus, I think it would probably be tricky because a lot of combos end with unteckable knockdowns. So I think probably mm-hmm. you couldn't juggle as easily, but I haven't tried. So. Can you, like, intentionally drop combos and then have somebody else pick it up? Yes, you can. Okay, so, yeah, I, I think, like, you could bring... Go pretty far in the anime factor with two melees. The anime factor is already pretty high. Um, one of my first games I was playing against uh, a friend of ours, uh, Jen. I was playing a, a melee-focused mecha, and I was doing a combo, and then I hit my super, and I, like, hit them three times, and then did, like, a cartwheel, like, 200 feet in the air, somersaulted, landed on their head, and just, like, ripped their head off, and I was like, whoa, alright, <laughs> there's that anime factor. Um, yeah. Gun Versus is great. I'm excited to play it with you. Nice. 
Um, and then the last one is is kind of, I guess, just a catch-all. This is where we're going to talk about, like, as you mentioned, uh, Guilty Gear Asuka, um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Tekken Tag, Dead or Alive, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. These are games where there is a team-based mode. These are, like, tag games where there is a team-based, or not always tag, like Mortal Kombat 9 and Dead or Alive can are often played single-player, um, singles, 1v1. Um, but there is a, a mode where it is multiple players per team, and it's usually considered a novelty. Are there any games where that's not the case? I mean, in Dead or Alive, the tag system is a novelty mostly because it's not balanced for it, um, and because of the way tagging in and out works, uh, and how many characters Dead or Alive has, it leads to infinite combos very easily. So, like, if somebody does, you know... Uh, a tag tournament, there are very specific teams you can expect because mm. those teams have infinite combos. Yeah, I see. They're just not balanced for it. Um, but no, I think, like, usually when you have... I, I think that was mostly an experiment for their Alive in Mortal Kombat 9, just to see um, how it would play out like maybe they considered like oh what if we did like a full-on Mortal Kombat tag game you know mm-hmm. would that be viable so they probably put it there as sort of like a soft test um Tekken tag if you count it as a separate series from Tekken uh in it playing a single character is a novelty I'd say because it's just much better to play two characters yeah but generally you don't have two people on the two characters right Oh yeah, no, no, you don't. Um, that's a mode. I think for Tekken, it's offline only. Hmm. I believe so. So here are the uh, layouts I think exist for Tekken. It's offline only if you want four player, two v two. For Mortal Kombat Nine, I think you can't do like four people playing online in tag. But what you can do is. You can group up offline. So, like, if you and I are playing locally, we can make a team and queue up online to play the tag mode and potentially be paired up with another group of two players who are doing the same. I see. Uh, and they're alive is the only one that actually lets you do, like, four people online um, at the same time in an online lobby. But unless you're in the same country... It, it will destroy yeah, the latency. Imagine. Like, e- so even if, like, let's say I have three people uh, I'm playing against, and I have good connections with all three people, if we were to all play 2v2 in the same match, uh, it might happen that just the connection is horrid, and it's unplayable. Which is one of the reasons you don't see much of it, because, you know... Fighting game netcode is finicky enough as it is when you're just doing two people and spectators, but if you're doing, like, four different players, then it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. Um, it is, like, uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z has a mode where it's a, the normal play of it is uh, one player per team, but each team is of three characters, um, and Dragon Ball Fighter Z is going to have a six-player mode where every character is represented by an individual player that has online um, since Dragon Ball Fighter Z is not out yet, we don't really know what that mode will look like. Um, but it's it's interesting to keep an eye on. I'm 
on one hand, I'm very skeptical just because of past experiences, but on the other hand, Arc System has a pretty good netcode. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like this is going to be like it feels like Dragon Ball Fighter Z is a game that is going to draw in more people than your average fighting game, just because, like, I mean, you know, because it looks really good and it's got the Dragon Ball license. It's possible it will get a bigger audience, and thus you'll be better able to form teams if this mode takes off. Yeah, it doesn't look like your standard issue licensed uh, game. It like looks like it, it looks like a high quality entry in the franchise. So people who were, for example, not excited about Xenoverse might be mm-hmm. excited about this. So let's talk about why these games aren't popular. And you just mentioned one of the really good reasons, which is netcode, right? Yeah. Um... It's it's mostly because so I haven't played Gundam Versus, but I'm just gonna go on a limb here and assume it's less frame perfect than your standard one v one fighting game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you have something that's not frame perfect like that, um, you have quite a lot of uh, leeway what you can do with latency. Uh, it's why you it's why um, online FPS. Uh, are so popular online. It's why MOBAs work so popular online. Like, none of them are exactly fl- frame-perfect um, in what they... They might require frame-perfect execution, but, like, the actual mechanics don't require, you know, frame-to-frame input, like a standard-issue fighting game might work. So if you were to take something that's usually one we've won, like Mortal Kombat, They're Alive, Guilty Gear, whatever, and try to make that work at the same way it does for 1v1 for, with to make it work for 2v2 um that gets problematic um especially if you have simultaneously people playing simultaneously rather than tagging in and out um so so that's kind of the biggest hurdle um that's going on it might be possible if you did like a more non-traditional fighting game so like Gundam versus um I'm guessing anything like Smash would also work I, I yes. I'm assuming Rivals of Ether and whatnot have you know four people playing at the same time online so st- stuff stuff that's not like you know frame canceling frame linking stuff like that uh that's more about timing and that there's more like leeway between the actual moves you do uh, that stuff's gonna be fine, but we are pretty far away from um, a functional um, Street Fighter game where two people are fighting against two people. Yeah, um, and and that's really not just on technology to catch up. Um, it's also an infrastructure issue. So even if we say say even if like in Japan we got that kind of game. Um, as soon as it's ported to the West, it might not be as functional because Japan's internet infrastructure is much better than, you know, a lot of European countries. So yeah. it's it's a it's a big problem. Usually you want to make these things for offline, but if you're making them for offline, they're not going to be as popular, uh, which is why, you know, Japan can double down on both uh, offline and online play because they can get uh they can do any kind of gameplay and put it in arcades 
and then they can also port it over for console for people who don't want to play in arcades because mm-hmm. their online is yeah the technological good. limitations are really uh are really a bummer and i would like to see more games taking the smash bros or, or gundam versus approach of just of just designing around it of just making it less cuz honestly like maybe this is just because it's coming from a person who has very little technical skill but i don't find a frame pi- frame per se- who frame specific combo stuff and links that satisfying i don't enjoy that stuff um i just it's a source of frustration to me so i wouldn't mind if games were less obsessed with frames and more just let the let the you know mind games and footsies and stuff take take control yeah yeah i i mean i generally don't know why there aren't more online games that are just you know 2v2 like like we said like we have it we have it in mmos right and we have it in the few exception fighting games but most seem to revolve around the number five or six for competitive stuff and i don't know if it's mobas driving that uh as the current trends or because you first saw that kind of composition like become popular with mobas and then um Shooters kind of took it in as well. I mean, before that, you know, you'd play on a Team Fortress server or Quake server, and it was 32 people. There was no concept of limiting it to, you know, 6v6 or 5v5. So I don't know where the number came from exactly and why we're doing that number right now, because you could make a lot of interesting stuff with, you know... Hey, I I can I have my one friend who I talked into buying this game, and then we jump in together and mm-hmm. queue up and play that game. Actually, another uh, I just remembered, For Honor has a two v two mode. That's a game we've talked about previously, um, and that's a game I want to check out sometime. Um, right now, I I hear on the on the wind that their meta is in a really bad place, so I'm gonna wait for some more uh, some more patches and stuff, but. I'm not surprised um, they didn't have much of a precedent or other games to reference in that regard. Like They are pretty much dealing with something completely new mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. It feels almost like um, like a hybrid of... This is going back to our previous talk about For Honor on previous episodes, but it's like a hybrid of like Mountain Blade combat and like Dark Souls almost. It's a weird... Yeah, I'm pretty sure those were some of the reference they took in. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I would like some lower scale team based games and fighting games lend themselves well to that. Like if you, you'd have to make them less technical because of, um, or less execution based because of the network requirements, but then also that means it would be more approachable. And to me, it also seems kind of reasonable if you say release a game on Steam and people are like, on the fence about it, it seems it's easier to talk into talk one more person into buying it with you than you know talking five people into buying I don't know lawbreakers or whatever to play online. So I guess yeah, my my closing thoughts for this, just on a, a purely selfish front, I think these games are great and people should make more of them. But also, there are obvious reasons why that hasn't necessarily happened. They, you have to really rethink a lot of the design that is considered fundamental to fighting games. Yep, there's a lot of problems that come with it, and it's both technical nature, it's both like how to market it, and really, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts getting popular, but what will probably happen is 
nobody will really take the plunge until some random person comes over, random company comes over, starts making money on it, and then all of a sudden we'll see 2v2 or 3v3 be the new multiplayer competitive format for everything. I think that's it for this episode of Neutral Game. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play if you want to give us a rating or review there, or, of course, on your podcatcher of choice. You could also tell a friend about us. We try and keep the podcast nice and, and friendly for newcomers. Um, if you want to find uh, me on Twitter, I'm using the uh, official Scanline Media Twitter mostly these days. That's at Scanline Media. Uh, Meodrag is at MDK2. M-D-K-I-I. Um, we'll have links down in the show notes. If you don't want to try and type that out, you can just click the links, obviously. Yep. Um, you can also watch our stuff on uh, YouTube. We're uploading the, I upload the podcast to uh, my YouTube channel, so you can watch it there as well if you prefer that. I don't know where you're watching actually this right now. That might mm. be a mystery. And if you if you like that, actually, you can find more of uh, Meadrag's content on YouTube. He's doing some, you know, Let's Plays and some some streams that he uploads there. And you can also, of course, find him on Twitch. He's Real Soviet Bear on Twitch, and he streams frequently. Anyway, uh, everybody have fun playing fighting games. Bye-bye. Peace.